Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. We're going to be in Luke 2. You go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to start in verse 8. And we're going to continue this uh, song of songs, or this is our last one before our Christmas uh, Eve series, our song of Christmas, I mean, songs of Christmas, where we've been looking at different songs that point to the birth of Jesus and his coming. Today, we're going to look at the angels' song and what they spoke to the shepherds. Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. Here now the reading of God's word. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the will, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The very word of God. Amen. Uh, this morning as we get into our word. Um, I want to preach on this subject. Jesus's arrival means everything. Jesus's arrival means everything. Let's pray before we take our seats. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for you. Lord, I do now pray that you would hide me behind your cross. Uh, We need to hear from you, Jesus. Decrease me, Lord, so that you may increase in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. And let what I say and do here before your people be glorifying to you. Get glory in this place, Jesus. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that everyone said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. If you're new, my name is Derek Puckett, Pastor D. Lee, Pastor here. And I know Ramon, he told you all a lie. Because I definitely look better in green than him. Uh, I'm just playing. I had to get that out. Uh, Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever waited on the arrival of something that you really wanted in your life? You ever been there before? Uh, Maybe some of y'all are right there now. I I remember uh, growing up. There was always one gift that I really, really wanted for Christmas. And that one gift, if I didn't get it, I, I felt like I was going to die. Like, it, it, I had to get it. My life depended on it. Y'all, y'all, y'all ever felt that way? Some of y'all feel like that right now. Look, Robinson laughing because he's like, Ashley, if you don't give me this gift... Y'all ever had that? Just one, it's just one thing that you just felt like, if I don't get this thing, Dave, it, it, it's, it's, I'm going to be ruined. I, I remember when I was about five or six, this is, you know, growing up in Gary, we only saw the, the Chicago channels and so 
this is doing the, the 90s Bulls runs and stuff. Um, and I'm like, the Earl, the first one, I, I fell in love with Michael Jordan and everybody. And so for me, at this age, the one thing I wanted, can y'all guess it? I wanted a basketball court. I wanted a whole court, Robinson. Not no basketball. I wanted a court. I didn't know how much it cost, nothing. I just, that's all I wanted for Christmas. I don't want anything else. And so I wrote that down, made sure my parents knew that I wanted this court. And Christmas rolls around and bless my parents' heart. I'm young, but y'all, we, I think we might have slept for two hours and wake up at like two or three in the morning. And we would run downstairs and just start ravaging the gifts. My parents, sorry, kids in here, it ain't no it, Santa Claus. It was my parents wrapping the um, gifts up. And, and we got downstairs, and I, I, I probably set a record, you know, running through, getting ravaging the gifts and trying to rip through them all. And, you know, I find some clothes, and I, I throw those to the side because five or six-year-old, we don't want no clothes. You know, I, I don't really want clothes right now. I pick my own out. I, I just, you know, I, I don't want that. I, I wanted my court. So I'm going through all of this stuff and get to the end of it. I'm like, man, ain't no court here. And I, I sat on the couch, and I just started crying. I'm pouting all of these gifts everywhere. And as gracious as my parents are, because I didn't deserve, at this point, I didn't deserve anything. Mama Rope was laughing because she already know. I deserve something else, but I didn't. my parents, it's probably like the last Christmas my father was around, and he says, Derek, what's wrong? And I said, I didn't get the court. And he said, Derek, man, I see, go, go check behind the piano. And I'm like, and I'm looking behind the piano because I can't, I can't move the, re, the piano. And so I look behind the piano, y'all, piano and th- there's my court. At that moment, nothing the one thing that I was waiting on. And it got me to thinking this morning, what if the only thing that mattered was the arrival of Jesus? What if the only thing that mattered during this season really was the arrival of Jesus and see, I, I, I think we, we all know the old adage, Jesus is the reason for the season. But if we're honest, Jesus ain't the reason for our season all the time. We got all these things that we're thinking about, what gifts we're getting, what gifts we're giving, that raise, a bonus, or things that you might be wanting to get at the end of the year. Our minds are on all these other things other than Jesus during the season. So let me ask you, as we head into this Christmas week, what if Jesus was the only person that mattered during this season to you? What if your mind was clear from everything else and all these other people, and we really settled down to celebrate and meditate on the birth of Jesus. How much better would our lives be? How much better would our world be? How much less anxiety would you feel? Worry. 
And see, I asked this question during, during this time because during Christmas, as I mentioned, we're usually always preoccupied with ourselves, buying gifts, receiving, etc. And the real reason for the season doesn't take root. Again, what if nothing else mattered in this season but Jesus? I want to challenge you again. I've already said it earlier over this next week to not get so occupied with stuff. Not get so occupied with this season because that's exactly what he did for us. When Jesus steps out of the confines of heaven, of the plushness of, of heaven, he came as a baby, a feeble baby, in our likeness. He put all of himself, his comforts to the side and made us all that mattered. Family, what is preventing you from living or working from a place where Jesus is the only thing that matters? Today, I got two points, and I'm out your way. The virgin birth points to God's grace. The virgin birth points to God's grace. And number two, God's sovereignty is good. We don't always think that or feel it, but God's sovereignty is good. Now, just a bit of context here as we jump into chapter 2. We see that Caesar Augustus, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 2, if you got your Bibles open, he has a call out for everyone to go back to their native lands to be registered for the census, which forces Joseph to travel back to Bethlehem, the home of David, because Joseph was of the line of David. Now, simple fact here is that although Mary and Joseph were betrothed to one another, Joseph was no coincidental husband. He's of the line of David, and the Messiah was said to come through the lineage of David. So Joseph, being Mary's husband at the time, fulfills the prophecy of 1 Samuel 16. Now, follow me with this. Joseph was living, living in Nazareth, but his ancestral home was Bethany, I mean, Bethlehem. It's a, a journey that was some 80 miles Mind you, Mary's pregnant right now. Joseph has Mary all settled, saddled up on a mule, and they're traveling by foot some 80 miles to Bethlehem. Did I mention she's married? I mean, she, she's, she's, she's pregnant. This ain't no little hike, y'all. I mean, bumpity, 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 bumpity. For 80 miles, they get all the way to Bethlehem, and there was no room in the inn or anywhere for them to stay. Mary goes into labor. She has Jesus, and she lays him in a feeding trough. I'm, try I'm trying to paint the picture for you guys here. Then the text says, an angel appears to the shepherds and says, do not fear. It's dark outside. Angel appears. Do not fear. Now, this is very key or integral that God would choose to come to shepherds out of all people to first announce Jesus' birth. Why shepherds? Shepherds were despised by the orthodox good people of the day. 
they were unable to keep the details of the ceremonial law. They, they could not observe all the meticulous hand washings and the rules and the regulations. Their flocks made constant demands on them. And so the Orthodox people looked down upon them. They were outcasts from society. These men were known to be dishonest, unclean, and outcast. But listen, don't miss this. It was to simple men of the fields that God's message first came. Nobody special. Nothing extraordinary here. Simple shepherds. This brings us to our first point. The virgin birth points to God's grace. Out of everyone, the angels could have come to first. God had them come to the lowest of lowest to proclaim the good news. Tells them about a savior. Now, 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 this is a word for somebody in here. This is what I'm really getting at. Hopefully, hopefully you're following me because you might have walked in here this morning and you're like, well, I'm, I've messed up so much in my life. I've done this thing, that thing. Pastor, you don't know my story. I don't even know if I love myself. How could God even love me? I, I, I don't warrant the type of love that I hear about in the Bible. I'm too must, messed up. God can't love me. Listen to me. If God can choose outcasts or the lowest to come to to proclaim the savior of the world to first then hear me there ain't nothing that you have done or can do that prohibits him from loving you go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say god loves you y'all could do better than that. i need you here say it a little louder god loves you it's a black church exercise y'all won't get used to this thing god loves you the text says when the shepherds see the angels they have fear. Why? Well, most likely, it's not an everyday occurrence that you see an angel. I ain't never seen an angel. Have you seen an angel? You should say no. It's not an everyday occurrence. Secondly, they have fear, I believe, out of reverence for these angels. They revere the angels. But there's a third thing that I really want to submit to you this morning which is they're afraid because of the guilt and the shame that they feel because of their lifestyles. They probably think, well, well the angel came, and because I see him, I'm now going to be punished because I'm not living the way that the law has told me to live. And, and the reality is, as, as I talked about it last week with Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when he comes in contact with God, he says, woe is me. There is a type of woe is me type of attitude that should come when we come in contact with God or the angel, the, the man of God that speaks to us. In this moment, there is a, wait a second, whoa, woe is me. I, I, I'm unclean and you're whole right now. There's a fear because of their lifestyle. They're in in the midst of, uh, of the vastness of God's glory, and they know that they're not worthy of being there. But friends, I love what the angels say to them. They don't come to punish them, no. Look at the words, verse 10. The angels say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now pay attention, because there's a key word in what the angels say. Did you get the word? They say the word all. Everyone say all. They say all. Now, this word all, I'm going to take you to English class, is a pronoun that is a determiner. 
It means the whole quantity of or the extent of. So in essence, the angels, watch this, are telling the shepherds, don't be afraid. I know you've been looked down upon your whole life and you've been outcast. You've not been cared for. We know what you have done, all the good and the bad, but don't be ashamed. Do not be afraid. The savior of the world is for you too. He's for all people. Again, friends, hear me. If you ain't called it, there ain't nothing that you can do that puts you out of reach of God's love and his grace. The angels are essentially saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody, meaning if it doesn't matter what your past looks like, he's for you. It doesn't matter how much money you make. He's for you. It doesn't matter your race or your ethnicity. He's for you. It doesn't matter your gender or your age. Hear me. He's for you, too. It doesn't matter whether you vote Republican or Democrat. He's for you, too. He loves you. You can't do nothing that's too far outside of his reach, of his love and his grace. But y'all still missing this thing. This is why we rejoice at the birth of Jesus. Because no matter who you are, where we have come from, or what we have done, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for us too. His kindness. His grace. I could keep going on and on and on again. He is for you. He's for you, Renewal. The birth of Jesus is what literally brings joy to the world. That's why we sing that song. This is why we lift our hands and we praise him because he brings joy to the world. That's why we worship him. Friends, it's the grace of God in our life that brings us joy. These shepherds know that they're unworthy of being uh, approached by an angel and then receiving such great news. And and they're fearful because they know that the birth of Jesus being told to them, this is a gift that they don't even, they don't even, they're not even, they they don't even need to know about. They're not warranted to be be able to receive this gift. Wait, 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 we, we don't, we're not worthy. And if you haven't caught it by now, here's the reality. We're not worthy either. But that's what makes this season so wonderful. Jesus' birth was an extension of God's grace. That's what brings us joy. One pastor said it this way. He's trying to explain uh, grace uh, and the difference between grace and mercy because a lot of times we get grace and mercy uh, mixed up. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. And so you do something wrong, you you deserve a consequence. God doesn't give you that mercy, doesn't doesn't give you that consequence, that's mercy. Grace is God not only not giving us what we deserve as a consequence, but instead it's him also now giving us a gift or immeasurable favor on top of that. Right, let, me, let me put it this way. It's kind of like you speeding going 75 miles per hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. Don't act like you ain't never did it. We live in Chicago. Some of y'all did it this morning. Don't mm-hmm, You in church. Don't lie. It's like going 75 in a 30, and a police officer comes up. He pulls you over. Now, if you're going that fast, that's 40, 45 miles over the speed limit. You should go to jail. 
not only just get a ticket, they should take your car and put you in jail. But mercy would be that police officer now pulling you over and saying, you know what? You were speeding. You were driving reckless. But instead of me giving you a ticket and taking you to jail, I'm going to give you a warning today. I'm going to give you a warning. You can go on your way. Grace, on the other hand, would be that same thing happening. And the police officer pulling you over and saying, well, look, you know, no, you were speeding and you were driving very recklessly. But, you know, I'm not going to give you a ticket today. In fact, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to erase every ticket that you've ever had in your life from our database. And then I'm going to give you the keys to my squad car, which is faster than every car on the street. So you can drive around, do whatever you want. And then, you know what? I'm going to give you a scoop of your favorite ice cream, whether you like Baskin, Robbins, or Jenny's, whatever you want. You go ahead, have your good time, have your good time today. That's grace. That's a measurable favor. Y'all should have amen a little louder than that. See, it's the grace of God that brings joy because when we look back over our lives and all we've done, and I'm not talking about your whole lifetime. I'm really talking about what you did this week. When you look back over this week and all the wrong you've probably done, when we look at the holiness of God matched with our unholiness, our lying, our envy, our strife, our cheating, our pride, we could go on and on. There is no way that we deserve him coming to this earth for us, but it's by the grace of God. So the shepherds here, when they see God, they're like, why us? Why us? Why come to us? None of us deserve his presence. But again, it's only because of his grace. When we look at the virgin birth of Jesus, Jesus coming into the world, we see the grace of God because not only do we not deserve his presence, but God gives us a gift of a savior that by believing in him, no matter what we've done or where we've come from or who you are, you're saved not only now, but for all eternity when you believe. That makes no sense. What kind of love is that? Y'all, that, that's grace. That's grace that makes you want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. It's only because of his grace. It's his grace and his goodness that we see through the birth of Jesus. And it's good. It's good. But there's more in the text. There's something significant here about what the angels say, which is the angel's song. So they say this to the shepherds, and then they sing a song. We see grace giving to the shepherds. They talk about the grace of God. But look at the song with me. It leads into our second point. God's sovereignty is good. Now, follow me with this one. In antiquity, when a boy was born, the local musicians congregated in the house to greet him with simple music. So Jesus was born in a stable, not a house, in Bethlehem. So therefore, this type of ceremony could not take place. What am I getting at? Watch this. What ends up happening here is that there's no place or home 
for this ceremony to be carried out. And so the minstrelsy, watch this, I love it. The minstrelsy of heaven took the place of the minstrelsy of earth. What am I saying? The, the, the angels sang songs for Jesus because the earthly singers could not sing. Some of y'all are missing this thing. This is God's son. And although he is born in a stable, instead of earthly singers coming to sing, the angels come and sing. And in my book, angels singing is far better than any earthly band. The text says in verse 13 that a multitude of heavenly hosts appear praising God. This means that at the birth of Jesus, not only do you and I or Christians or believers praise, but all of creation does. See, what I want you to see is that if we do not praise the name of Jesus, then the angels will do so, or the trees will, the rocks, the animals will start crying out. All of creation will praise him because that's how much the birth of Jesus means. The angels sing praises, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Some of y'all aren't amening because you're missing the significance here of what they're saying. Let me, let me break it down a bit, so follow me. They say glory to God in the highest. These angels are saying glory to God in the highest, and they're not saying glory to God in the highest degree. They're saying glory to God in the highest heaven. So, so what they're essentially saying or doing here is singing praise to God who is higher than the highest heaven. He's holy. He's magnificent and outside of our imaginations. But when, then they parallel this with earth saying, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Basically, they're saying, praise you, God, that although you sit so high, you still look low. Praise you, God, that although you are for us, praise you, God, who sits in the highest but yet steps off his throne and still comes down low. He's saying, praise you, God, glory to God in the highest, that although you sit high, you still look at your little sinful children and you love us enough to send a Savior. Essentially, these angels are praising God for salvation. I know some of y'all are still saying, well, how do you know that, Pastor D? How do you know they're praising God for salvation? Well, if you look at the text and you study the wording a little bit here, the word peace here is synonymous with salvation. They, they, they're saying, praise God in the highest who, who, who sits high but looks low, but not only looks low, he saves. I love that. And I, I told you last week, I'll say it again. This peace right here that they're talking about, this isn't a peace on earth. This is a peace between man and God. This is an inner peace. This is a salvific peace where, where we, res- we, we, we deserve death because of our sin. But instead, when Jesus comes and he dies our death on the cross, now we have peace between us and God. We have peace now, not only in our hearts, but in our minds, because we know where we're going. We believe in Jesus. We're no longer destined to death, but we're destined now for an eternity in heaven. That gives you peace. And that thing blows my mind a bit. It amazes me that God, he sees me. He knows me intimately, meaning he knows all of my mess. 
He knows everything, Mama Ropa, but yet he chooses, still chooses to come and die. It makes no sense. That's why God's sovereignty is a good thing. His sovereign plan of salvation is a good thing because it's not dependent on us and what we do or even us understanding it. But it is for our good. Makes no sense. Let me, uh, let me talk about it. The angels say peace among those with whom he's pleased. The last statement here in the song is talking about favor. Everyone say favor. And it's not talking about favor that we possess. This is a sovereign favor or goodwill God possesses. And they say peace among those with whom he is pleased, which means here's the hard truth. You want to hear this one. It's a hard truth. He said, everybody's not going to receive this peace. But only those that God is pleased with and chooses to reveal himself to. It, it doesn't say anything about what we do to be saved. Now, I know I just dropped a bomb in here. And that's a hard truth to grapple with. And you're like, Pastor D, why are you going to talk about that when we, we're going to Christmas? It's hard to digest this. Because it means that everybody won't receive the salvation of Jesus. And I'm going to be honest. Most preachers, when they're preaching this and they're looking at this passage, they ain't going to say nothing about this. They're just going to keep on going. But this is in the text. So the question becomes, well, how in the world, who do you know, who, how do you know who receives it? That's the question we want to know. Y'all ready for my answer? I got it. I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know. You know why? Nobody's walking around with an S on their chest that says saved. Or E for election. It, it, it does, I, don't, I can't see that. But what I do know is that God is good. That he's a good God, has a track record of good throughout the ages. And I trust him. Therefore, I'm okay with not knowing. I'm okay with not knowing who he chooses to save or how he works out his plan of salvation. And this is what seminarians would call the doctrine of election. I'm about to preach the doctrine of election. We ain't doing that. But biblically, I will say this. You, can't get a, you cannot get past grappling with it. It's all throughout the Bible. And we can try to deny it really because of how we feel about it. Whether we were our security or not, here's the reality. If you believe in Jesus, then you, you're elected. Okay? There, there's security, and nothing can be, that you can't be, the, John 10 says you cannot be snatched out of the palm of his hand. Not you or nothing else. You, you, are, you are secure. We can try to deny it. We can, we can try to feel, well, I don't like this, that somebody might not be elected. We don't know. We cannot get past it. It's passages like Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Basically saying God has predestined some for salvation. But see, the thing is, we don't know who those people are. So whether or not someone 
is predestined or not, or elected or not, other than you believing, it really should never stop us from holding on to the call that God has put on our life to share the good news. Because he didn't tell you who is saved. He has, it shouldn't stop you from going out and share. He says, go make disciples. He doesn't say, go talk to this one or that one, because that's the one you need to talk to. He says, go make disciples. And so nothing should get in the way of believers sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. It should not interrupt your life or your lifestyle. God doesn't tell us who he's called to himself or how he's going to do it on purpose. Because he's the only one that can save. He's the only one that deserves glory. Y'all, if I know this, I ain't giving glory to God. I'm just going to give glory to myself because I, I shared Christ. I, I, you saved because of me. See, when we get all caught up in this and we get caught up in this, and I don't want you off who's not, what we're really trying to do is figure out God. Instead of trusting him, we try to figure him out. And therefore, now what's happening, we're reverting back to our old self, trusting ourselves rather than trusting him. Therefore, becoming our own self-made saviors or somebody else's savior instead of Jesus being savior. Listen, if we knew everything that God knew, then we wouldn't need God. And see, here's the bigger problem. This is what I, want you, I don't want you to miss. Some people will never experience God's love and grace fully because they're too busy trying to figure God out. Some of us, and I may already be in your neighborhood, we cannot let go. We have a hard time letting go and letting God be God. God hung the stars in the sky, not us. God created heaven and earth, not us. God created the waters and the air we breathe, not us. He created us and knows every detail of our lives down to the deepest, darkest secrets that lie in your heart. And he knows every follicle of hair on your head. He did all of this, not us. And he's the same God that has the power to save. And with his lengthy track record, I think it's okay to trust him with his plan of salvation. Now listen, like I said already, if you believe then you're secure. This is not a you question your salvation type thing or whether am I elected or not. No, that, that makes you elected. You believe. But this also doesn't mean, which is also a burden on my heart, that you shouldn't care for people and their salvation because what I'm not saying is that trusting in the authority of God means you should be apathetic towards evangelism. No. Our hearts should pain for this world. I have a hard time, if I'm honest with you guys, opening up the news every day and just reading it. Because it's, it, just, it just brings me pain. Sorrow every day. I, I'm, I read about two boys being gunned down in the north side alley this, early this week. And that's, that's just the, one of them. The politics, everything that's going on. My heart pains for the world. And one thing that I have to always remind myself of is that God made me. He made me in his image. And since that's true, he made me with this heart. And if I'm in his image, then it's 
the same heart that he has. Which means that God hurts for the world too. He sees the world. And if this is true, then we can trust him with how he chooses to use us. How he chooses to share with others. God's sovereignty, hear me family, is a good thing. All that I'm saying in this, this is what I want you to get. Is that in order to truly experience God in his fullness, we have to trust that his sovereignty is good. Not only in his in salvation, but in everything in our lives. We have to trust to choose that his sovereignty is a good thing. Which means that we may not know all the answers or have all the knowledge that he has. We have to let be God, be God, let God be God and be okay with it. There's a reason why we don't know everything he knows. And if we did know everything, y'all, like I said already, we would bring glory to ourselves instead of him. God's sovereignty is good. His reasoning, his knowledge, and his power is far above anything that we could ever imagine or begin to process. And that's a good thing. Honestly, if we did not, if we possessed some of the same qualities and same knowledge or power, y'all, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We wouldn't be able to handle it. I like to think of this with my kids. If you have, parents, if you have kids in here, here's the reality. I got five kids. I love my kids. But at 13, 11, 8, 6, and 4, there's a reason why Kayla and I run everything in the house. There's a reason why we haven't given them the keys and said, okay, you go ahead and run the house. If they ran our house, y'all, <laughs> it would be in shambles. No bills paid. I, it, it'd, be, it'd be a mess up in that house, let alone, yeah, you got it, let alone a house. Or even qualifying for a house. I mean, they ain't got no job. The only job that they can really work is, is probably doing the dishes and, and taking out the trash, and they still struggling with that. I mean, I mean. Could you imagine? See, our little bit of power that we possess is, compared to God's, is like our kids compared to us. Only times 100. Now, hear me, not only is it a fact that sovereignty has been good throughout ages, we have to choose to trust, like I said before, that it's good. One thing that reminds me, the simple fact of how we breathe every day. Have y'all ever just sat back and thought about how you breathe? That, that you, you're breathing out carbon dioxide and there, there has to, there's oxygen that comes in, but oxygen comes through this process of photosynthesis and all this stuff with these plants and trees and it's in the air and all this stuff has to work together so you can get oxygen. And if you don't get oxygen, you get carbon dioxide, you can actually die, but you bring car oxygen in your body and you breathe and through your body, I can't even explain all the stuff that goes on and it comes through and then it comes out as carbon dioxide. Now the plants get that in the trees. Have you ever sat and thought about how you breathe in the air and how it works together? And you wouldn't have nothing to do with that. But you get the benefit of it. God's sovereignty is a good thing. The angels say that God saves whom he's pleased with. And what that means is that his sovereign work of salvation is not up to us. It's not up to anybody else's salvation. not up to us or anything else. 
It's his decision. It's his choice. This peace that we feel, it's, it, it's a good thing that comes from God. Sovereignty is good. Let me leave you with this, and I'm going to get out your way. The problem the gospel of Jesus Christ poses for most of us is not that we can't believe Jesus died for us or that God is good. It's that we struggle to let go of control of our lives. And because of that, we never experience the fullness of Jesus. It's therefore, during this season of Advent, going up to Christmas, some of us experience no joy. Or we, we just don't experience lasting joy. You get the gifts, you, get the, you give the presents, you eat dinner with your family, and then after that, it's gone. That's all it was to it. When it's done, it's done because we haven't truly experienced the best gift of all, Jesus. It's our constant need or want for control that dampens our experience with God. And the truth is, is if we truly experience the goodness of God, kind of like that policeman pulling you over instead of giving you your ticket, he says, no, nah, you can have my squad car and, and, and I'm going to erase all your tickets and give you this ice cream cone. If we experienced and knew that goodness, y'all, we would have a problem saying, Jesus, take me as I am. Do what you will with my life. We wouldn't have a problem surrendering control. See, when we look at the birth of Jesus, there shouldn't just be joy, but there should be the same reverence and fear that the shepherds had. Because when we look at our lives and all that we've been through and all that we've of that, God sees all of that. The virgin birth reminds us that he still wants to be with us regardless. It makes no sense, but it's good news. See, it's in that moment of realizing how unworthy we are, yet so graciously loved by God through Jesus, that all we can do is begin to sing. All we can do is begin to worship. All we can do is praise because Jesus' coming means everything. Because of him, I have life. Because of him, I have joy, no matter my circumstances. Because of him, I will live forever. Because of him, I can have peace when everything around me is going crazy. Because of him, I am who I am. Because of him, I am alive. Family, this is why we rejoice at the birth of Jesus. Because his birth means everything. And when we realize this, this truth, we're unable to hold it in. Just like the shepherds who knew they were unworthy and they were outcasts. When they experienced the good news, and they saw it for themselves, they couldn't hold it in. And they told the world about Jesus. Because his coming means everything. So I end with the same question I asked you earlier. What is it in your life, or who is it in your life, that's stopping you from allowing Jesus to mean everything to you. I can't answer that for you. But what is it that's preventing you from saying, Jesus, here's all of me? And I want all. We thank you for the birth of Jesus. Thank you for your coming, Jesus. 
not only coming but dying for us. God, I do pray for the, the hearts of your people here today. I know there's some tough parts of the message. But God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you comfort, that you encourage, that you love and you care, even when we don't deserve it. God, I pray whatever it is in the midst or in the way of the hearts of your folks right now, God, whatever it may be uh, that you would reveal and you would say, just give it to me and come to me. And that we lay ourselves and these things before your throne and say, here we are, Jesus. Lord, I pray for the person that may be in here that does not know you, that's never said, Jesus, here I am. Take all of me as I am. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and forgiving me of my sins. I'm tired of living my life the way that I live it. I need you. Take your rightful place on the throne in my heart. Thank you, Lord. Wherever we are this morning, Lord Jesus, would you intercede in our hearts? Let us know that you're never too far away. We're never out of reach of your grace and your love. And all we need to do is come to you. Thank you for being a father that's gracious, a father that loves us, despite us. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we all say together, amen, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.